Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cool. Recorded live. All right, and we're live right now. Um, none other than Danny Thompson joining the call. Um, glad to have you here, Danny. How are you doing, Chad? How's everything? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so this is um, recording this session right here. Um, you know, you know, really, in most cases, we would always go live, but for this one, um, there's a special reason. Um, talking about the NCAA this weekend that's happening on on April fourth. So you got the Final Four. I mean, I know there's a lot yeah. of noise, a lot of noise going on right now with everything talking about the Religious Freedom Act and things are going on in um, Indianapolis, and you got you know governors and legislators from all around. Um, I mean. Danny, what's your take? Glad to have you on. Great to be on, Ted. Um, I guess let's start with the Religious Freedom Act. Um, you know, it couldn't come at a crazier time for the state of Indiana, especially with the Final Four being in town this weekend. You know, it's it's also the headquarters of the NCA, so you know the NCA is caught in a, in a catch twenty two situation. As you know, the Religious Freedom Act pretty much allows any place to do as they say if you're based on religion. If you don't want to serve people because of your religion, it's okay. Um, and it's going to cause a humongous firestorm everywhere because, you know, it's Final Four weekend. You have everybody coming in town, especially with high-profile schools like Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky, and Wisconsin, and all their fans from all the different backgrounds coming into Indianapolis, in a city that's supposed to, you know, generate, I don't know, maybe $100 million in tourism and money over the next just say five, starting probably today through at least Tuesday, you know, all the money they're going to generate for restaurants and hotels and just attractions itself is going to be, you know, slighted and dented in a certain way. And also at the same time, NCAA headquarters is in Indianapolis. So it puts them in a very bad situation. And I wonder now, will Indianapolis get any more of the NCAA, you know, venues or any type of um, events from now on because of the fact? So I think, with them passing it, I don't think the state of Indiana realizes how much damage they're going to do and how much damage they have done for events like this and future events coming up in, in the near future. I, I I think you're you're on to something. You're on to something because it's not just it's just that um, not just with NCAA, but you got um, the combine. You know, all the events happen at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, I think it's a game changer because you know, you have so many different people speaking out about it. And I think it's something that's, um, I mean, for the most part, people are, um, you know, you have the Arkansas governor urging changes to, to, that, um, to that bill. Um, you have 
you know, you have people speaking out, talking about, hey, I'm not going to put my dollars there or I'm not traveling there. You know, I don't think there's any change. I mean, I would like to see if there was change that was going to be impacted um, before this weekend, but it's, it's highly doubtful. I mean, you got exactly. uh, you got greats like um, you know ex NBA greats um, between Barkley and you got Reggie Miller, who's going to be, I think, the color commentator. Um, you got Barkley in the studio. You got you got a combo of folks that are you know speaking out about it. Um, it's a hot topic. It's trending everywhere. Exactly. Exactly, and it's taken away from what this weekend really is all about, and that's the four best teams in college basketball competing for a championship. And most importantly, you have one team who is literally two games away from making history. And instead of talking about Kentucky being undefeated or having potential being undefeated, we're talking about, you know, a religious act freedom. We're not talking about the potential matchup between the two best big men that college basketball has seen and what, and what NBA scouts are touting as, you know, the two best, the two biggest dinosaurs that potentially can be found in, in Carl Towns and, Julio Okafor, instead of talking about that, we're talking about, you know, people not being served because of who they are. And that's just a shame, especially with this weekend being the final four. It is. It is. But I, I, I will tell you truthfully, if we do focus on the on the game a little bit, um, I personally want to see Duke and Kentucky. You know, and I guess the, most of America wants to see that. You know, I, I want to see the streak, um, you know, I, I just want to see that answered, in in you know in the big game. So, um, what are some of your thoughts with with the final four teams? Well, if you look at the first matchup, you have Kentucky and Wisconsin. Um, Kentucky's thirty eight zero, two games away from perfection, going against Wisconsin team they played in the final four last year. Um, Wisconsin has two first round NBA draft picks in Frank Kaminsky, who's the, uh, between him and Okafor's national player of the year. Kaminsky is 6'10", big man, kind of with an old-school type game to him, but always comes up huge in, in big games. As Arizona on Saturday, where he dropped 27 points for the second straight year. He also had Sam Decker, a guy his last two games who scored a career high in both those last two games and has solidified himself as the guy that people thought he was at the beginning of the season as a preseason All-American because he's so versatile. You know, he's, a, I think, almost 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and can do so many different things with the basketball. And you're going against the Kentucky juggernaut in that game that has NBA players just falling out of the rafters off that roster. I mean, when you have Willie Cauley-Stein as a, a first-team All-American, and it's the first time a guy's ever averaged under 10 points a game to be a, a first-team All-American, that just shows you the depth of how deep John Calipari's team is. And they run nine deep. And it's just not nine deep. It's nine deep full of NBA players, potentially five or six potential top 30 picks in the draft this year. Calipari's just loaded up with all these guys. And then you have the second matchup, Michigan State against Duke. Duke with Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, and all those guys. You know, Grace, um, you have Grayson Allen and those guys who, uh, Matt Jones, guys who are potential first-round picks going against the team of Michigan State, who was led by Brandon Dawson. but don't have the big name, but it's Tom Izzo, and you know with any Izzo team, they're hard-nosed, tough defenders, they grind it out, and they're physical, they're mean, and they're nasty. So you have two different types of games. Duke, a team likes run up and down, you have a team in Michigan State who's physical, and it's going to be enjoyable to watch. 
and that's what's something we should be talking about instead of everything else in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But, I mean, the social issues you got to address, and they are being addressed. And, you know, the, the I mean, you think about overall, you know, it's kind of, in a way it's kind of turning back everything that was done for civil rights. You know, so I think if we do focus on the basketball, and the, the one non-Final Four question I have to ask you is, okay, at some point, if you were either the president of the NCAA or the, you know, really you can only affect change on the NCAA through being the NBA commissioner, how would you how would you rectify this one and done? The one and done rule is is the touchiest subject because you know you're you're telling kids they can't create a livelihood and be a professional or try and make money for their, their livelihood. You know, I had a discussion with a coworker the other day, and we were talking about the same thing. I was comparing the one and done rule to join the military. I mean, do you have to have requirements to join the military? Do you have to be a certain age? No, you just have to be 18 years old, not in high school. The same thing with the NBA. You're telling these kids to join the military with the potential chance of them, you know, rectifying their life and for a better better way, or they can put themselves at war and risk their life, but you're telling an 18-year-old kid who can make money professionally doing something they can do playing a sport that you can't do it. So it's at the same time, we wanted to make the college back the college game even better because there's, you know, there's, no, there's no point of a guy going to school for a year and it doesn't do anything. I mean, all it is is a guy just, you know, he's not probably going to class. He's going to do what he needs to do, and he's out of there. You don't have those four-year guys that we saw back in the, the 70s and the 80s and even to the early 90s. We don't have those guys that you can relate to after four years. You're not going to have the Christian Leitners who were there for four years, or you're not going to have the Patrick Ewing in the 80s or the Hakeem Olajuwon's or, you know, those guys who stayed in school at least three years. You know, you, know, you only know a guy for one season. You know, it's very rare that you see a, a top NBA player, a top, a top draft choice, stay more than a year or two. I can't even tell you the last time a senior was taken number one in the NBA draft. It just doesn't happen anymore. So the one and done rule, yeah, I don't think there's a, I don't think going to be a happy medium because the Players Association wants these guys in the NBA as soon as possible to make what they can off of them. And the owners really want more mature players in the NBA because with an 18- and 19-year-old kid, you're running a risk of them falling into a, a bad situation or falling in with the wrong crowd because they're not mature all the type of money that we're paying them. We, I mean, we've always talked about the shelf life, the shelf life being short for these athletes and, you know, preparing them for the next phase. But if you're only hanging out, if you're going to class for one semester, and this is a question that we've touched upon at least two dozen times, you're only going to class for one semester. That that's That second semester, you're not in class. You're enjoying yourself. You're going through, you know, you're hopefully taking your team to the tournament, and you're out of there. Because, you know, players, as of, or I think as early as today, started declaring. I mean, it, right. So, but the big question is, okay, so let's just say, if, they, if the median is four to five years that they're in the National Basketball Association, what is being done to prepare these players? 
You know, I mean, I can understand you can put, hey, you must be 20, you must be 21, you must do this. What's being done to prepare these players after their careers are, are done? I mean, you know, when the players get in the league, you have the sense of rookie symposium, the same thing you have in the, in the NFL and other professional sports. And basically the team, and most teams, they try to get these kids around the right people. But, you know, when you grow up and a lot of, a lot of occasions you have your family around you and they think they have your best interest at heart or you have a group of people who think they have the best interest at your heart, a lot of times that's not the case. I mean, you look at you, look, you see more guys nowadays in professional sports who are bankrupt within two years after their playing career is over because they didn't manage their money correctly, or they let you know somebody take their money and handle it in, a, in the wrong way instead of investing it, putting it away. There are very few Michael Carter Williams out there. You know, if people know the story of Michael Carter Williams. His parents took his money and invested it for him the second he got his check. They just gave him a small stipend and invest the rest. That way, when his playing career is over, if something were to happen to him, he has his entire rookie contract, I think, sitting in the bank. The only thing that he gets the money off of, I want to say, is through um, the interest. That's what he gets paid off of. That's what he makes. That contract is sitting there waiting for him just in case it happens. You know, it's sad to see Allen Iverson have over $100 million. The same thing with uh, Antoine Walker. Walker made $130-plus million over his NBA career and is broke. That should tell you something. You know, these guys make so much money, and a year or two after you're finished in the league, you don't have any money left. You know, like, look at Allen Iverson. Supposedly he's broke. And after all the money he made with the Sixers and the, and the Nuggets and, and playing in Detroit, playing overseas, all the money he made with Reebok, and for him not to have anything, it's sad. Yeah, it's totally sad. And it's, you know, it's 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 sad that, Every other year on the ESPN 30 for 30, they'll have to keep updating it with more athletes that have, you know, gone broke. But I, I think you hit it on the head where it's three years after they've retired, I think the number is up to over 70% of all athletes declare for bankruptcy. So besides that, uh, and I guess to end on a good note, I mean, give me your picks. Or did you, were you like eighty percent of Americans here? Where your your bracket was busted? Um, I in my bracket, I picked three of the four Final Four teams. Um, I picked Wisconsin, I picked uh, Kentucky, and I picked Duke. Um, the only one I did not get was Michigan State because I had Louisville. So I'm doing well in the brackets, and when it's all said and done, it's going to be Duke Kentucky on Monday night, and you know the streak. The streak of 76 is over. I think that Kentucky cuts down nets at 40-0. Calipari has the undefeated season. And this, I think, will be John Calipari's swan song at Kentucky. I think that once he goes 40-0, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put that he's going to we'll put a bold prediction out that he is going to walk away from Kentucky at the end of the season. Really? And go yeah. where? The NBA is calling. The Brooklyn Nets will be calling him. I think that's <laughs> so it's, it's more of a, a coming home party for him also. You know, I think Kalapari is a guy who loves challenges, and he has unfinished business. He didn't do well in the NBA. That's going to be hanging over his head. I think in the college game, what more does Kalapari have left to do? He's already won what will be his second national championship at Kentucky. I mean, he's got, he's got the national championships, and he has an undefeated season. And what coach wouldn't want to go out undefeated. 
his last year of coaching, you're undefeated, and Prokhorov wants to sell the team, make it marketable. I mean, there's nothing against Lyle Hollins, you know, the job he's doing in Brooklyn with the team he has. And we all know Kalapar returned down the chance to coach LeBron James last year in Cleveland. But being in New York City, he's done it before. He's that type of personality that can do it again with all his connections. And the Nets can just somehow hire a decent GM, which I think he'll probably be the guy in charge of player personnel, a $60 million paycheck to get him out of college. I think that's, that's, that's the right thing for Kalapari. And I just have a feeling that there's going to be something else behind Kalapari going to the NBA. I'm not saying there's nothing kind of suspect at Kentucky, but just look at Kalapari's track record. That's all I'm going to say. So this is your bold prediction. You believe John Calipari is once he he gets the streak, they win the national championship. He's heading back to Brooklyn. I mean, I mean, I, think, I, I I don't even know if we could say heading back because you know he was there when they were with New Jersey. But um, the one thing I will say to you is um, the only way he does go back is with full autonomy. I agree well, with you. I mean, there's there's nothing there. So he has full autonomy right now, and I'm pretty sure Kentucky's going to open the checkbook up again. He goes undefeated. Remember, Calipari makes almost $7 million a year in Kentucky. If he if he wins, he goes 40 no, I'm guaranteed the Kentucky wallet will go to almost $8.5 million. That's the asking price in Kentucky. I'm pretty sure it will get close to $10 million per season. We're talking Phil Jackson numbers to take over the Brooklyn Nets, and I think the Nets will – the Nets and Prokhorov, since he's a billionaire, he wants to sell the team. He needs to make it marketable. If you have a head coach that's marketable, who's undefeated, who knows the New York area, the guy's prominent, he's a face, he's a, he's a coach, he's, you know, he's a guy that can, can, can sell NBA players on coming to play for him. I mean, just look at all the connections he has everywhere. And I, it'd be a $10 million a year job to take over the Nets, maybe 12, maybe 12 million. I think that if the money's there and the Prokhorov does it, he jumps ship. I don't think he does it for anything under $10 million, that's for sure. Gotcha. Well, Danny, tell me, I mean, tell us um, best ways to get in contact with you. Well, um, you know, I'm back on social media, NBA DT29 on Twitter. I am, of course, as people, if people haven't heard, people are listening for the first time, I am the host of NBA Full Court Press on this wonderful network of the Happy Hour Network. We're returning on the third Thursday in April, uh, in two weeks when the playoff, week before the playoffs get started. Um, it's going to be an action-packed show. We're going to be previewing the playoffs. Um, the show is basically talking with the best NBA writers, personalities, and people you're going to find around, taking callers. Um, we're giving all types of information, things to look forward to um, from your favorite, from the, the big-name teams all the way down to you know, the smaller-name teams teams nobody talks about. And we'll also be talking a little bit of NBA draft, but really the show in two weeks is going to be based, focused mostly on the playoffs and really giving you insight from the people who cover the, the playoffs, not just my personal opinion on the show. It's people who actually have a knowledge of the teams and the matchups and who cover these teams on a daily basis. As always, Danny, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Ted, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, thanks for having me on. All right.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.